I was born and raised in a, here in Augusta. Uh, what year? 1950. Okay. Yes. And my career has been in auto mechanics, uh, but I worked for our utility company here, Georgia Power, for 39 years. I had a pretty interesting life, I guess you'd say. My wife said I could write a book, actually, but <laughs> it hadn't been that bad. But I've done several things over the years. I've driven over the road truck, which was an experience for me uh, because I was pretty young when I did it. I was about 23, maybe. And just to be able to travel all over the place and just be free as a bird, I enjoyed that. Then I decided that, well, I decided early on, even before finishing high school, that I wanted to be a mechanic as a career. Um, so I scratched that itch with the truck and I decided, okay, I need to go back to something that I know I want to do. I enjoy doing and I'm compassionate about it. So I went back to mechanics. Um, I worked on Volkswagens and different types of cars. Um, but my, my teacher that taught me mechanics in school just called me out of the blue one day after I graduated and asked me if I was interested in a job. I told him I had a job. He said, well, no, Marvin, a good job. I said, I have a good job. And I did, you know, but he told me it was with Georgia Power and you have to kind of understand at that particular time, as a rule, blacks weren't being hired at that company. I mean, and if they were, they were for low paying jobs. But he called me to offer me my dream job. And at the time, I, when he called me, I said, man, I'm, I'm not interested in a janitorial job. Oh, I didn't tell him that because right. he was a very nice guy. I mean, uh, he, very nice guy. So he, he forced the issue. So he said, well, no, I want to offer you a job, Marvin. I said, well, okay, doing what? He said, mechanic, what, what I taught you for? I said, Georgia Power. He said, yes. I said, okay, what do I have to do? He said, a friend of mine is a superintendent in the garage. You go and interview with him. And if he likes you, you're pretty much hired. He said, but you're pretty much hired anyway because I highly recommended you. And I'm doubtful. Oh, so I went back to work that day and told my boss, I said, you know, I had an interesting thing to occur today. And I explained to him the conversation. He said, well, why are you here? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, why am I here? He said, you need to be going to try to get that job. Oh, that's I nice. I said, well, I like being here. He said, I understand all that. And he said, but you're not going to get that opportunity again. So I did. I followed through with it. And um, it all worked out for me. That's great. Um, well, now I was totally satisfied being a mechanic. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> the difference in the shop that Georgia Power had, mm. it was the best of the best. And my experience working as a mechanic it was things, tools, facilities, and things like that that I'd never seen before. So I was like in Disney World. So how, how old were you then, Marvin? I was 20, 26. Okay. So 26. can I just back up a little bit about your old, earlier oh. years? So you sure. grew up. Okay. Um, uh, did you go to this Lucy Laney or all the schools that? I went to Lucy Laney. Okay. Oh, I started out at 
I'm not sure whether you're familiar with Solace Explored or not. No. That's a grammar school. What's it called? Solace Explored. Exploid. How do you spell it? F-L-O-D. Oh, okay. F-L- Wait a minute. F-L-O-Y-D. <laughs> yeah, F-L-O-Y-D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting my tongue tied. Okay. Um, and that was in F-L-O-Y-D. the town. F-L-O-Y-D. Yeah. That was um that was in town. Like you would be able to walk to school. Is that how it worked? Yes. And actually, if if I can kind of create a picture for you. Yeah, please. Our neighborhood was about six blocks square. That was the the area that we could could those wild boundaries, so to speak. Um, is that what uh, Leon called the golden blocks or no? No. Okay. No. This was, this was, I guess they call it uh, the Laney Walker area. Okay. But did your parents grow up in Augusta as well? Well, no, my mom was from Beach Island, South Carolina. Okay. Um, yes. But when I was born, she had moved to Augusta. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what kind of time frame between, um, I don't know what year she moved to Augusta from Beach Island, but that's where the, my family is from. So your <clears> dad <throat> is or from? My mother's family, I'm sorry. And your father's family was from Augusta? My father was from Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. So how did they end up, how did they end up in Augusta? He was a soldier. Oh, so he he was stationed at Fort Gordon. Ah, so he ended up staying. Yeah, he ended up staying. Was that something oh. that was quite common with the community at the time? Do you think? Like, is that what built the 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 kind of area? Well, well, the the neighborhood I grew up in, as far back as I can recall, everybody yeah. in that neighborhood was from the Augusta area. The timing was of such that when I became a senior, oh, that's when desegregation of the schools took place. Yeah. In 67. Yeah. It's 67, 68. Yeah. So I was one of the very first class, part of one of the very first classes that went to Richmond Academy. Oh, so tell me about that. How did that how did that affect affect you? Well, my mom thought thought I had fell on my head or something, you know, because all through school your goal was always to graduate from Lucy Lane. You know, um, but I I guess I was led and, and I as I reflect on it, it had to be, God had to be involved because everything, everything that transpired after that, it just, just catapulted me mm. to heights that I never imagined. But that's, that's the point in life, right? You have to be in a certain place at a certain time. And, and that's the problem where people who are oppressed stay in that situation and the ones who have these chances to kind of skip and hop. And I guess, I guess I've always been kind of bold. Oh, um, in well, early on in life, I saw, I saw my mom struggle because her and my dad divorced and she had seven kids. So she was a single mom with seven kids? Seven kids. How did she uh, do that? I used to question her about that all the time. I, I have no idea. She, <laughs> she, she was a very strong Absolutely. woman. Did she, oh. how did she, where did she work? Do you remember? She worked at, she worked, she did housework. Yeah. She did. Oh, she worked at a department store, oh. a little department store on 9th Street. Oh. I forget the name of it. Okay. Because I was pretty small at that time. Right. Oh, <clears throat> but those are the only two jobs I can three. 
she worked at Planned Parenthood when I got older. Okay. okay. I mean, as a matter of fact, I was I was out of the house because I moved out at 17 when I was 17 years old. Why? Um, because you wanted to or because you were well, well, I was the youngest boy. Okay. Okay. And again, I was always aggressive about working and about bettering myself. Yeah, you had I a- was never satisfied and I felt like my my circumstances, I was never satisfied with my circumstances. Hmm. Oh, I always had the will to do better, but I had no good examples early on to help me understand how to get there. <laughs> you, know? you recognized the lack of support in your community at the time for you to be able to grow out of it. Yeah. How, and, how did, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I was just going to wonder how, how, do you think that's a personality trait or is it something that your mom instilled in you when you were growing up to aspire for something beyond what you think you should have? Well, well, and now when I, when I referred to my dad, he was actually my stepdad. That was my stepfather. Okay. But I never knew my real father. Oh. So um, I recall one, one afternoon, I was pretty small. I was playing on the porch and this, to me at that time, huge man drove up and got out of the car. My mom knew it. I'd never seen it before. And my mom was real protective of her kids. But she told me to go with this man. And even small, that was not my mom. She go with him and I didn't know him. So apparently that was my father. How old were you around? I had to be maybe six. Okay. And I went with it. Wow. And gosh, he bought me all sorts of stuff, all kind of toys. And I couldn't really, I didn't understand what was happening. Because right. now why he didn't this? tell you. He didn't tell you no. who he was. No, he huh. didn't. Wow. He didn't. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember well being six. I'm not so sure I'd remember what we talked about anyway. But um, I enjoyed the visit. Okay. You know, he brought me back home. And my mom never spoke of it. Wow. Again, huh. I showed her my toys and stuff. And she was excited for me. Right. But he never came up again. Wow. You know, but... I guess apparently part of him that, well, and my mom too, my mom was determined that she was, she was a survivor more or less. Yeah. You know, she wouldn't let things just make her throw her hands up. Right, right. When I was seven, eight years old, I'd go go to the neighbor's house and run to the grocery store for them. They'll give me a nickel and a dime to go to the drugstore. I was always a person that wanted to do better. So I take my nickels and dimes and I would kind of set them to the side until I can buy something that I wanted, whether it was a little play car or whatever it was. When I was about 10 years old, I was walking the neighborhood and I saw this sign in the Chinese window saying, oh, help wanted grocery boy. And I thought to myself, I said, I could be a grocery boy. But now I'm at 10, I must have been small. Because when I walked in the, in the store and um, Tom Lim was the was the owner's name. And he knew who I was because he knew everybody in the neighborhood, or the adults anyway, and he knew I was one of my mom's kids. So I told him, I said, 
I want the job that that you that you're looking for. I mean, I can I can be a grocery boy. And he looked at me and he smiled. He said, Oh, I I can admire you wanting to do that. He said, but you're too small. He said, you can't ride that bike. I said, yes, I can. He said, you can't. And now you're too young to remember a grocery bike. <clears throat> the bike was a huge bike. And, and bigger fact, than normal? Sorry. Bigger than bigger than your average bicycle? Yes. Oh. Because the bike, I'm trying to describe it. The bike had a stand that you had to kick up. Yeah. Because the bike had to come up on the stand to stabilize it because it had a basket on the front, a big right. basket. Okay. You put people groceries in. Right, right. And then you push the bike off the stand and you started riding the bike. Okay. But being my size, he couldn't fathom me being able to do that. But um, somehow I convinced him that if he, if he would, I could put the groceries in the basket and I could get on the bike. If he pushed me off the stand, I could ride that bike. <laughs> so he realized at some point, okay, I'm not going to be able to talk him out of this. So I might as well give him a try and let him fail. You know, <laughs> so, right, right. At least you get so only way I'm gonna get rid of. You know? There you go. So, uh, he said, "Okay." He said, "I'll give you a try at it." So, I the lady had called for her groceries. He said, "I want you to take these groceries to the lady on Levin Street." So, so he pushed. He literally pushed me off the stand and was trying to stay with the bike yeah. to make sure I didn't hurt myself yeah. and mess up all the groceries too. But, <laughs> but sure enough, I pulled off and I got it far enough out of his sight to where he thought, okay, he's riding it, so what can I say? Right. But the challenge was 11th Street, when you left his store, it was level. But the farther you went, it had an incline. Oh. And you had to go up a hill. Now, you know that if you're going up a hill, it's harder to pedal. Yeah, sure, of course. I crossed Lane Walker, and I got out of his sight. And I knew I was not going to be able to get that bike up that hill. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So I rode up on the sidewalk and I drove the, the bike up against bushes. And the bushes held the bike standing up. Okay. Then I got off of the bike uh -huh. and I pushed the bike. Okay. Up the sidewalk up the hill. Yeah. When we got on level ground again, I leaned it okay. against the bushes and got back on it. All right. Did you but anyway? I, I got to the lady's house yeah. and and I laid the bike against her tree yeah. and walked up to the door and, and you always greeted the person saying, grocery boy, let them know you're here. So I did that. The lady came to the, to the door and she had these old screen doors. She said, where are you? I said, I'm right here. <laughs> she was that tiny, huh? Yes. <laughs> she started laughing. I said, <laughs> so cute. You know, just imagining you. Yes. But anyway, Aww. people, adults, yeah. adults during that period of time was, oh, they love kids. I mean, yeah, there was a charm about that that whole community, wasn't it? Everybody, yes, were all yes. You, I'm sure you're familiar with the book that Hillary Clinton wrote, "It Takes a Village." Yeah, but I didn't read it. No. Well, basically, what it amounts to is that the whole neighborhood has yeah. to raise the children. Yeah. So 
our neighborhood was a perfect example of that because um, contrary to what happens now with kids, yeah, um, adults at that time they didn't they didn't ask kids for respect; they demanded respect, and it was swift and serious consequences if you failed to give them that. Yeah. <laughs> or if 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 an adult saw you doing something that was out of line, right? They knew that they had, my mom had given them authority yeah. to discipline me and consult with her after the fact. Yeah, I heard some stories from some other Chinese grocer families where the gro Chinese grocer would actually discipline, I guess, um, some kid from the neighborhood, maybe he got caught stealing and he was trying to be that parental role and saying, okay, I'll give you a chance. I'm not going to call the police, but you're going to pay me back every so, you know, treat it like, like how you should learn. Absolutely. And yeah. that was throughout the, the, the neighborhood. But, but, I, but I didn't, when, when he hired me, yeah. Um, you know, I was accustomed to going in and out of the store. As That's how he knew you, right? He was familiar with you yeah. because you always yes, he was familiar with me. Okay. As a matter of fact, he knew all of us. So, but he didn't know me. I guess in 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 that light, or as an employee. But he never. They never treated me as an employee. I was a part of the family. Did you really feel that way? Yes. The 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 Chinese um they were a, a a part of the community. They lived above the store. They yes. didn't close the store and go home. Right, right. They closed the door and they, they were home. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um they were actually a part of the community. Was the whole family around the store? Like at that time, did Tom Lim have his kids around helping out yes. too? Yes, who, who everybody are in the family worked in the store. When when they ate, I ate. Oh, okay. What they ate, you know, or it wasn't like I'd go to lunch or I'd have to go home to eat or I'd have to buy something. When she fed them, she fed me. Did they eat Chinese food mostly or what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't possibly tell you what it was, but <laughs> I ate it. <laughs> Okay. And it was good. <laughs> so you would all sit together during like mealtime and eat before you, you know, took a break and then continue to work? Well, we would, me and whatever child, he had three sons. Oh, and they were like stair steps. Oh, they were about two years apart. Yeah. Now, I was more or less about the age of the middle. Okay. Oh, uh, and there was a, the oldest one that he was pretty bossy, just like my real brother. brother <laughs> You've always was. got one of those in the family, yeah. <laughs> yes. Of course, yeah. I was accustomed to that, but other than that, he was okay. Okay. You know, okay. Whoever whoever worked in the store, yeah, had to had to eat downstairs at the counter. Everybody else, me and that person, stayed downstairs and ate because if somebody come in the store, they just stop eating and wait on them, or I'd stop eating and go right. take their groceries, okay. you know. Okay. Um, but they also had a butcher. They called him JB. I never heard, never knew what his name was either. <laughs> <laughs> this butcher was another store, or you mean? No, he was in this store. He had a, he had a, oh. he had a, um, Case. Okay. Case. Okay. And the butcher, when I got out of school, he would always slice me a little bologna and cheese, and I'd eat it as an after-school snack. <laughs> okay, so now Leon told me about his favorite snack being bologna and cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls. Is yes. that something you ate yes. as well? That was, that was a classic snack. Man. So funny. <laughs> But see, he, he would give me the bologna and the cheese. I'd have to 
use part of my seven dollars to buy a cinnamon roll to go with it. Okay. See, I made seven dollars a week. <clears throat> and so how did you you, you know how did you that save both, that money? Did your mom did your mother make you put it away or that you did that yourself? No, she never gave me any direction hmm. uh, with that. As a matter of fact, I would I would give her about a dollar, dollar and a half of it, and I would eat snacks and candy and all of I was 10 years old, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I didn't save much money. <laughs> Working in a grocery store. But it must have been liberating to have your own money to spend on your own terms, right? It was, but it caused, it caused over time, it caused issue with my brothers and I. Because oh. again, um, I kind of felt like the child that was left on the doorsteps because I couldn't relate to any of my brothers, <laughs> you know, we were all different. Hmm. Um, but they were my brothers, so right. you know. But but I would work and buy things for me because I before I I had a job and could could make a little money and save and get tennis shoes and a yeah. pair of pants here and there. Uh huh. I got their pants and shoes. Right, the hand-me-downs. Yeah, the hand-me-down. Yeah, and I was the youngest boy, uh, so I was the last got one. All hand-me-downs. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they were all hand-me-downs. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, I growing up, I, I, I really didn't like that. Okay. But I knew my mom couldn't do better. Right. I realized that. Yeah. As a matter of fact. I can remember on occasions, my mom coming, coming up the street with bags, yeah, and I literally start crying because I could, I guess, feel her struggle. Yeah. In, in at at an early age, it wasn't much you could do, you know, because what is a dollar, you know, to her it meant a lot, you yeah. know. I'm struggling to think about how your mom even fed all of you as a single mom. Well, there was welfare okay. at that time. Okay. Now, and and she she did housework and she yeah. ironed for people. She'd bring, they'd drop the clothes off and she'd iron. Now, are um, these white people's houses that she worked at? Yes. In yes. the neighborhood or like outside the neighborhood? She had to catch the bus. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But... <clears throat> she would she would do side jobs and stuff like that. But now, <laughs> mind you, she had to feed us. On Sundays, she fed the neighborhood. I, I have no idea how she did it. But was this part of a church used, group or is this her own? No, just people would come to our house to eat dinner. Wow, what? From the neighborhood. And my grandmother lived with her. Wow. She didn't work. Oh, my cousin and my aunt lived there. And now we're talking, uh, I'm not talking about a full bedroom house, a full room house. Okay. Twelve of us. Whoa. <laughs> you know. Um, but again, it's, 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 it's really mind boggling to me. Yeah. And how oh. people did that back then. What about that? You know, did she ever try to protect you from what racism really was? Because I feel like you were, this Augusta community was so tight. You were, it was like a bubble. It was like, you were quite protected from all the ugly things that were happening outside. She would not allow us out of a certain boundary. The, the the neighborhood relied on the Chinese store for a lot. One one of the main things was for credit. Right. Yeah. I know that. There was no such thing as a credit check or a FICA score. Yeah. Um, your word and your promise 
was all in wars, that you'd pay them back when you could. Right. Wasn't, it wasn't so much a week. It wasn't so much a month. <laughs> The, the agreement was you pay me back when you could. And strangely enough, the system worked because the, if you ever ran into uh, uh, an older black person, they were passionate about paying their bills. If they, wouldn't, if they did anything, they were gonna pay their bills first. Mm. So, they never worried about getting paid, but he'd keep a journal and my mom could send me, could send my sisters, anybody, as long as he knew who they were, he'd put it in the journal of what, what the cost was. Yeah, my and grandmother's story, they, because her, her mother, who was my great-grandmother, was the one who had to do this credit um, record. And at the time, she was a new immigrant, and she didn't speak a word of English. So apparently, oh. she just didn't bother with itemizing it. She wrote the word item and just put the numbers <laughs> in. There was so much trust and just not not even calculating the little, you know, nope. petty breakdown. Nope. Nope. But at the and same time, Marvin, I just want to ask you, because I understand this was like a big... Um, you know, I understand the community is very grateful for their way of offering this credit system. But at the same time, I hear stories of maybe at certain stores and certain families, but there weren't really, you say they treated you like family, but I'm not so sure all of them did. You know, you were lucky to be in a family like that. Apparently, because I, right now, today, oh, I haven't seen actually... <clears throat> that store stayed open. I worked for them for about three years. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I oh, decided to take a job across the street at the service station. Okay. For, for $15 a week. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, and, and that was what I really wanted to do. I mean, he hired me as a car washer, but oh, I, <laughs> Over time, I graduated to changing oil and doing minor repairs. Right. But, <clears throat> but after I left, oh, you recall the the, the riot of nineteen seventy. Yes, yes. Where were you at that time? I was actually I was working at the Volkswagen place at that time. Okay. The dealership, Volkswagen dealership. Okay. But oh. They they looted and tore up a lot of things. Yeah. They did not tear up his store. Exactly. <laughs> they did not touch his store. And it was but, in the line of fire, right? I mean, it was easily been able to have been targeted, but there was obviously an intention to stay away from that store. Did you feel like the um, the Chinese community, even though you had kind of a very warm and special relationship with that Tomlin store, that generally speaking, would you say the Chinese community kept to themselves and didn't make that effort to really be a part of the community? They did. I, I've always felt like the, the, the Chinese, it was about, I'd say just off the top of my head, about six Chinese stores in that immediate area. Right. I mean, they were spread out. Yeah. But, but they knew each other. Right. And I've always felt they had some sort of an organization that that they kind of helped each other in one way or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. To succeed. Um, they came together and I I'm sure they they had a church somewhere that they went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had their own. The First Baptist Church was very um, influential in getting them to go to white schools. How do you feel about that? The fact that they lived in the black neighborhood, but were going to white schools, like they were. Well, better. I, I kind of figured that that was pretty well accepted because, um, although, although, oh, uh, the immediate neighborhood accepted them as family yeah 
the kids from outside our bubble would have given them a hard time, you know, um, and because they didn't, they knew the store was there, but they didn't have that close connection with them. You know, I mean, I would fight for them uh, you know, if I had to, but, but everybody didn't share that view. So you recognize because the, you recognize the their struggles being kind of like immigrant families as well, in addition to absolutely okay, okay, just a in just a different form. Yeah, you know, they they were they were accepted more by whites than we were. But how do you, okay, so this is a bigger question, but how do you, you know, with everything is, you know, this whole racial narrative right now, how do you feel about everything kind of framed around whiteness? You know, and now it's erupting, right? It's starting to crack finally, but how did you feel growing up that why is it that white, white feel that's the right way to go and that we have to work around that? Well, that's part of what drove me to go to Richmond Academy. Huh. I I had to, I knew that 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 they had had the upper hand for some reason, and I wanted to know why, or, or what was it that they were getting that we were not. Um, and again, my mom told me, "Now you got a high school in walking distance, but you want to catch the bus." and have to transfer to another bus to get to that school every day back and forth. But I was determined to, to, to find out for myself. The first morning I, I showed up, naturally I, I was the only black in the class. And Mr. Flory, his name was Julian Flory. I'll never forget that man. <clears throat> Matter of fact, he passed late, early this year or late last year. He was about 95 years old. Hmm. But the first day I came, came in the door and I sat down, he knew what I was going to face, but it wasn't going to happen in his class. The first thing he stood up and told the class was, okay, we got a new student in this class. I know he's different, but he won't be treated that way. And (laughs) um, he said, and, and he was so bold and blunt about it that when, because it was some, and I had some issues with some of them, but it was squelched like that before it could even get it turned into anything. Um, he said, if I hear somebody oh, using inappropriate language or calling somebody other than, anything other than their name, you're out of here. He said, I'm not going to tolerate it. He said, you can test me if you like. That's all well and good. He said, but I don't care how long you've been here. I don't care who your parents are. You're out of here. And now that's not one way. He told me, if I catch you doing anything that's inappropriate, the same will result with you. And I knew that was not going to be a problem. <laughs> so, but but wow. fortunately for me, I was able to, to befriend the largest guy in the class. Large and as in size large? He was huge. <laughs> okay. He looked like he could turn over a bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But... I befriended him, and 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 he was just a big teddy bear. He was oh. no bully, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
what he was intimidating. Uh-huh. Very intimidating his size was. Um, so I kind of hung close to him. Um, and, and, and it was a few other ones that I could say things to and talk to, but we were never friends. They, I wouldn't push the envelope to try to make it any more than it was. Um, but I made it through that year. I what about whether out of the, out of the you know handful of of black people who've just started that time with you, were there any girls or were they mostly boys? Oh, it was girls too, girls as okay. well. Do you think they <clears> had a harder time, or do you think that the boy? Do you think that gender made a difference in this desegregation? When it comes to it getting violent. Yeah. It was mostly boys. Yeah. Oh, uh, the girls would say things to each other and, and yeah. do stuff like that, but it never would turn into anything. Were there uh, interracial um, relationships at the high school during that first year you went? No. It was too new, right? People just stayed in their own places. And, and nobody wanted to, to, to look like they were associating with us. Right. You know, Right. Excuse me. In the general population, I put it that way. Yeah. Excuse me. But now in the shop, it was you didn't have but a small area to operate in. So he, Mr. Flora would purposely assign you with somebody else to work on the same car. So he would force you to have to communicate. Right. You know. Oh, um, but in the my English class. That was a whole different ballgame. So you, tell, you would actively avoid becoming friends just because there's just too much baggage with that tension? I, I think I think both sides knew that 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 you couldn't bond. Too much against you. You could, yeah. you could yeah, you could could communicate, but it would be consequences for getting too close. Yeah. For them. Yeah. And and, and it was dangerous for us as well because yeah. because they really operated in game. They operated in games. They didn't, if you catch them one-on-one, -on -one, they were just as much afraid of us as we were them. But but they they all they got around in numbers. I mean, you'd all always see them, it'd be four or five of them together all the time. Yeah. You know, Marvin, do you know if there were any cases of lynchings in Augusta? Because I know it was relatively safe compared to the other southern states, but there's still racism. So, well, I I can I can't say that I've witnessed one. Mm -hmm. I haven't, but I've heard stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've heard stories that that. Or the, even the police would would or shoot people or lock them up, and strange things would happen to them, and nobody would see them anymore. Yeah, I heard bodies in cars that were hauled off. Yeah, oh, but I've never witnessed it. Okay, but I'm sure, like oh. even in your high uh, Richmond Academy, there are many cases of kind of mild forms of this type of bullying that you're talking about in this gang style kind of uh violent. Well, well it was particularly at football games it was huh? more difficult to do it during class hours than it would be at a football game hmm. you know now several things happen at football games oh um, because again you're in a different environment and you're not yeah in a structured environment so if you walk outside of the stadium yeah going through the parking lot yeah, by yeah. yourself, that was not a smart yeah. move. So there are certain rule, unwritten rules. You just know not to, you know, open up opportunity. 
I know we don't have that much time left. I wanted to just ask you a couple more questions, like whether you knew of any relationships between the um, the black community and the Chinese community on, you know, on a romantic level. Because I know there is some illegitimate story. Um, you didn't yeah. know. But see, um, uh, Tom Lim was the only uh, Chinese story that I really had a lot of connection with. Oh, and he had all boys. Right. You know, so <laughs> now, now I heard some stories that the it was it was a family living about two doors from the store. And they had some good looking girls. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I've heard that Buster at some point may have dated one of them, you know. Now I can't swear to that and I doubt if he'll ever admit it, but <laughs> oh, I heard that might've been the case, but I know he used to give them certain things without them paying, because I saw that myself. <laughs> so, so you would think, you would think it had to be something going on. Well, and then we're human, right? I mean, there is that thing about young, attractive people, and that is colorblind. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, on the other corner, it was a Jew mm -hmm. that that had a grocery store. I think that was, oh, what was the name of that store? Tantillus? I think it might have been a Jew and Italian, one of them. Okay. Because Ten Tillers is Italian, isn't it? Ten Tails? Ten Tillers. Tillers. Ten Tillers. It's oh. a weird name, but it sounds Italian to me. Huh. I don't know. But have you heard of this one case? Um, there's a grocer named J.K. Joe, and he was murdered and robbed. Now, oh, I've I don't name I don't know his name, but my wife, she grew up in in another part of, of the black area. Oh uh, and she was <laughs> she had a unique situation as well because her family, her her grandmother's father was white. So are you talking about Phoebe? No, this is Tut. It's a family called Tut. Oh, um, wow. Now, Phoebe, name Phoebe, sounds, Phoebe Ali. Phoebe Ali. Phoebe Ali. She says she's Muhammad Ali's sister-in-law. That's a new one on me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I interviewed her and she said that her both of her grandfathers were white. Hmm. But you're talking about a Mrs. Tufts, huh? I've heard that name Tuff. before. T-U-T-T. -T. T -T okay. I've heard that name before, but I don't know. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what about her? But she went to Catholic school. The Catholic okay. school was in front of, of Tom Lim's grocery. Now that was a private school, and and for the most part, <clears throat> you had to have a few dollars yeah. to go there. Yeah. You know? Sure. Now, um, her parents were very protective because I tell all I tease her all the time. I say you, you, you live in the neighborhood, but you're not of the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So, um. Did she recognize her privilege? I'm sorry. Did she recognize her privilege? Well, I wouldn't call it privilege because her her family worked hard too. Yeah, right. Oh, and they weren't born into money. Right. Okay. They were entrepreneurs. Yeah, and it's a tricky one, right? When you say that the grandfather was white, what was the dynamics of that relationship? You know, you have to question. Yeah, absolutely. And so, now, 
it's actually more complex than that. And oh, it's a lot more. She didn't have to explain that to you, but no, it, yeah. But it's several of them as well. But, yeah. But it's obvious that that they were beautiful worlds, right? Oh, and and they had to be protective of them, you know, because you know. Yeah. You just didn't let them roam by themselves in the hood because they're smart. <laughs> but not just because they're attractive, but because there's something implied in the whiteness in her that she's carrying, right? Yes, and and, and anybody that was light-skinned yeah. was more or less favored in some ways and in demonized in the other ways. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's it's so complicated. No. Yeah. Do you I know I have to run to do my class now, but um yeah. are there any other things you wanted to share or is it possible like if I think of other things or you think of other important stories that you you want to share, we can do this again? Sure. sure. Um I can't think of anything that 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 we hadn't other than the fact that one other thing that 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 the store itself was known for was you gathered neighborhood gossip. Yes. <laughs> and there was a it was it was really somewhat unique. It was a shoe shine parlor called Venus Shoe Shine Parlor. Right next door, as a matter of fact, it was part of the same building. Okay. Okay. The men gathered over there to to tell lies and, and play checkers. And, yeah. they, and the women, while shopping for groceries, would have their little discussions going on. Because I know you're not familiar. You ever heard of a the term of party line? No, party line. Yes, that was the telephone. Oh, okay. Oh, you, they call it a party line because nobody had any privacy if you were talking on the phone. The oh. neighbor could pick up the phone and they were on the same line. Ah, okay. <laughs> you yes. know? So, and you couldn't make a call until your neighbor got off the phone. Oh. Because she was on the same line. Oh. There was all kind of arguments about that. Huh. But, oh, that's that's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's part of the flavor of those that time, right? That was a pretty yes, special memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd um, love to hear some more gossip when we have time next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, gee, Marvin, thank you so much for all those precious uh, oh, memories and stories. Welcome.